So one of my favorite all-time classical musicians is Glenn Gould. And it's not just his ability to play Bach with speed and clarity and articulation that other pianists can only dream of, but also the fact that Gould was a great thinker, a writer, a communicator, a film director, and some might argue a musical seer. It's this aspect that I want to talk about today because Glenn Gould was very much ahead of his time. Take, for example, this quote he wrote in 1966, so we're talking about 55 years ago, way before we had the modern technology of today. In an unguarded moment some months ago, I predicted that the public concert as we know it today would no longer exist a century hence, that its functions would have been entirely taken over by electronic media. It had not occurred to me that this statement represented a particularly radical pronouncement. Indeed, I regarded it almost as self-evident truth, and in any case, as defining only one of the peripheral effects occasioned by developments in the electronic age. But never has a statement of mine been so widely quoted or so hotly disputed. In this article, he goes on to state that he no longer feels that concert going was the primary way in which people would be experiencing music around them. Obviously, in 1966, this was well before the music technology that we have today, even before the invention of cassettes and CDs, not to mention MP3s, file sharing, Bluetooth, streaming services, YouTube, Spotify, the many things that we take for granted that are just a part of our world. And of course, Gould, like other musicians of his time, had to work with record labels. Music unions were alive and well, and many musicians got work as a part of being a union member. From that viewpoint, I remain fascinated by the fact that Gould anticipated the bringing of music back into the home. Gould retired from the concert stage very early at the age of 31, and at that time he was considered one of the greatest concert pianists in the world, having great success wherever he performed. If you are playing a concert every second or third night for a month, this seems in a way a um, normal way to live at the time. It's only when one gets away from it that one realizes what a crazy artificial existence it is. I wonder how it is possible that the following week I will be back into a schedule which seems at that moment almost intolerable to me. I wonder how I do it. I can only say that I feel something like I did as a child when I, it was Labor Day and the next day meant going back to school. It was a completely horrible feeling. It was a feeling of being trapped as much as one would be if one were suddenly consigned to the netherworld, you know? Instead, he devoted the entire rest of his musical career to music which could be created in the studio, oftentimes along with other forms of media, such as film. In 1962, just before he retired from the stage, he wrote an article entitled Let's Ban Applause, in which he develops an imaginary organization called G. Paddock, or the Gould Plan for the Abolition of Applause and Demonstrations of All Kinds. Gould spoke of what might be termed today as the mob mentality of an audience. En masse, the audience becomes almost a living, breathing entity of its own, with its own fluctuating motions and thoughts. And while it might feel good for the performer's ego to receive a standing ovation, this ultimately has no bearing on the long-term effects of the art. In a large part, I do agree with one of the statements that Gould makes in the Let's Ban Applause essay. In his mind, one of the primary justifications for art being the internal combustion it ignites in the hearts of men and not its shallow, externalized public manifestations. In a previous video, I spoke about one of the absolute worst performances I've ever heard being met with standing ovation. Conversely, some of the greatest public performances I've ever seen were met with only shallow applause. 
Just think about all the masterpieces that flopped when they first came out. Many of them were met with disinterested audiences or even hostile audiences and critics. Gould hated the idea of the competitive aspect of music, as did many other artists. Vladimir Horowitz, for instance, was very outspoken about his views on the evils of music competition. What do you think of competitions? I'm absolutely against. Absolutely against. Full-hearted. You choose people not by excellency, but by, 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 by elimination. So it depends who is, the name, who is playing there. And then it depends, pardon me, depends on the, who is judging. And Bela Bartok famously said, competitions are for horses, not artists. However, for better or for worse, competitions have stuck around and they don't seem to be going away, but that's a topic for another time. Now, Gould did go so far as to say that he thought that concert going would become obsolete at one point. I don't know that I share this extreme of a view, even in a post-pandemic 2021. But just imagine how crazy he must have sounded to the colleagues of his day in 1966. I think it is absolutely safe to say that the vast majority of musical experiences that we have are not concert attending, even for those of us who attend concerts on a regular basis. Gould somehow knew that the process of recording would become more streamlined and give artists a chance to work from home. He viewed the relationship between a musician and the recording as analogous to that of a painter and the canvas. No one gets upset at a painter when they go back and paint over a certain portion of the canvas, when they add color, or when they decide to even paint over entirely and start again. And yet the idea of attaining musical perfection in a recording sense is still even to this day somewhat chastised. His essay on the prospects of recording was turned into a multi-part audio documentary, and I will leave a link in the description below. It's rather fascinating. He talks to several people, and he discusses some of his own methods of recording. In his mind, the recording process shaped his very interpretation of the pieces themselves. For instance, when he would go into a recording studio, sometimes he would record purposefully very different takes of the same piece, and then later decide how to assemble those takes, even recording a separate part at a time. And like Gould, I have found that oftentimes my view of what should be the phrasing is changed when I listen back. Nowadays, of course, we have the luxury of the phone, where we can just record it on the side of the piano and listen back. And this is taken a step further when it's recorded with high audio fidelity and good cameras. I think a great number of musicians don't like recording themselves because recording does not lie. It's like looking into a mirror and realizing that your face is totally messed up. I personally record myself all the time when I practice. And listening back and analyzing those recordings is extremely helpful to my practice method. Unlike Glenn Gould, I do not think that concerts will die out completely. I think they are a very important part of the human experience, a very important part of the musical experience, and I rather enjoy performing live. Where I agree with Mr. Gould is in the fact that I do think recording is going to play a bigger and bigger part in the life of modern musicians, even classical musicians. And I do think that most university systems are far behind the curve on this one, and in the coming years we will see an attempt to catch up to the other musical industry standards. And unlike Mr. Gould, I do not despise the audience reaction of applause or demonstrations of any kind. I view it with a bit of ambivalence. 
I am much more interested in the way that I connect individually with people. So when I speak to people after concerts, when I see the light in their eyes, or when a student is inspired and goes and actually practices, or when I inspire someone to learn a piece of music, and that's the kind of impact that I'm looking for, something that actually translates in the real life of an audience member. But I do think that is what Gould was striking at when he talked about that internal combustion. Gould also spoke of a concert given in Toronto where a music faculty member attended along with several of his students. And this faculty member did not like the performance and expressed it. Obviously, all of his students wanting A's and wanting to get on the better side of the professor also showed their disdain for the piece, even though Gould himself thought it was a lovely piece. So there are a hundred different reasons why one might receive a great ovation or a limited ovation. Just try to keep that in mind. If you're a musician and you feel some cognitive dissonance with what you hear and what the audience seems to be experiencing. If you're looking for a free piano lesson, send me an email at joshvigranpiano at gmail.com. As always, I'd love to hear your comments and thoughts and questions, so feel free to leave them in the comment section below, and I will get to as many of them as I can. Stay tuned for the next video, and I will see you guys again soon.